All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. All right. So, um, that is looks very dangerous. Uh, oh, there's a little fly in here. Okay. All right. So this morning, I want to uh, talk about something. Drum roll. Um, yes, thank you. Awesome. So, single people, what I've learned in life is that single people don't have anyone to tell them about the things that they complain about. <laughs> Married people do. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Yes, thank you. I love being married, but... Uh, it's not even a but, uh, actually. I take that back. I love being married, and there is such refinement that happens because they get to point out the things that come out of your mouth, and you're like, oh, wow, I don't realize that. So basically, this message is kind of a, a big confession. Um, therefore, it's to myself, and hopefully you guys get something out of it. Um, I am super guilty of being a negative Nancy, a Debbie Downer, being a negaholic, a negative Molly, having a negitude, <laughs> etc., um, which is kind of ironic because on my, uh, my Clifton Strengths Finder, which is like an assessment that you take to try and figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are, one of my top five is uh, positivity, which is uh, funny, but that, it, it actually, the definition of that one is... Uh, more like I'm an encourager. Like if someone's like, oh, we can't do something like a project, I'm more the person that's like, yes, we can. Yes, we can. And that's true. Yeah, so I'm a positive poly there. <laughs> but uh, I find myself complaining so much about um, natural, yes, weather, traffic, um, bugs. Not so much prices of gas, but that is a good one. If I were to complain about gas prices, then... But, um, yeah, I just find myself complaining a lot about natural circumstances, and uh, it's just, it's so bad. And I was really trying to think about how to convey this message without just being like, complaining is bad, let's stop complaining, watch your mouth, done. So, but really, I've been thinking, uh, as Christians, this holds so much more weight because we are meant to be lights of the world, followers of Jesus, representing him. And he was obviously the most perfect man that ever walked the earth and God in the flesh. Uh, but you can see in scripture that God, Jesus never complained. And he probably had the most to complain about. He left heaven. He came to a fallen creation, fallen mankind. His disciples were super imperfect. And uh, I think the closest we hear Jesus to complaining is when he's like, how much longer do I have to be with you unbelieving people, this unbelieving generation? Um, but we never see, we never hear him complain about his circumstances, um, whether or not he had enough food, what the weather was like, whether or not there were too many people walking along the road or too many donkeys in his way when he's trying to get in and out of the city or whatever. You know, there was no 
complaining that was ever recorded in his word. Um, and even though it's not recorded, I know it's still not true that he would complain. You know, there's, he just, nothing negative came out of his mouth. Um, and God did the same thing with Israel in the Old Testament when he was like saying, how long am I going to have to put up with you guys? Um, and there's so many examples of uh, Israel complaining in the Old Testament. You have Exodus 17, where Israel's complaining to Moses that there's no water. Numbers 11 talks about Israel complaining about hardships. Um, and they complained over and over and over about their natural circumstances, um, even though they had just left slavery. You know, they had just left. We all know the story, but it's like they're in slavery in Egypt. And they, they're like, yeah, get us out of here, free us, God. And it takes God like doing crazy miracles to get them out of Egypt. And they finally get them out of Egypt. And they leave and are wandering through the desert. And all of a sudden, Egypt, Egypt looks pretty awesome, right? They're like, oh, man, at least we had like food and stuff there. And it really wasn't that bad. So they like took their eyes off of God. And they're starting to look at their natural circumstances and they're like, man, my past the slavery in Egypt looks pretty good right now because I don't have food this very moment. And it's like, it just looks much bigger than um, it really was. So over and over and over, Israel complains. And eventually, in uh, Numbers 14, 26 to 30, God basically says, fine, you will get what you've been saying. You know, they repeatedly complain. They're like, you're just going to, you're leading us out here to die. You're leading us into this wilderness. Why have you brought us here? Over and over and over and over, they're complaining. And God responds by doing exactly what they've been proclaiming out of their mouth, which is letting them die in the wilderness. You know, we see that generation of people that did not, um, that complained the whole time. And God did not reward them by entering the promised land. He said, okay, this is what you've been saying. This is what's going to happen. So they never inherited the promised land because of their complaining in the desert. God wanted to wipe them out. And thankfully Moses was like, no, Lord, that, that would look so bad for you, like to wipe out your people. Like what would people say about you? And he, you know, convinced God to spare the life of Israel, but he was like, you guys have been complaining so much that that you will basically eat the fruit of your mouth, like that you've been complaining that you're going to die here, and God's like, okay, well, here you go. You will die here, and they never inherit the promised land. That generation didn't. Um, so as Christians, we just have such a higher standard of um, we have just higher expectations for what comes out of our mouth. Um, we have a lot of scripture that holds us accountable for our words. Um, you have most of the book of Proverbs is about the words that come out of your mouth. You, I could open up to any page in Proverbs right now and there, guarantee there'd be something um, about uh, complaining or uh, the words that comes out of your mouth. A couple of my favorite scriptures are Proverbs 13.3, it says, The one who guards his mouth protects his life. The one who opens his lips invites his own ruin. 
And then, of course, the, the well-known one, Proverbs 18.21, says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And obviously that was true for Israel. You see that they spoke death over themselves by complaining, complaining, complaining. And God's like, okay. He, um, you know, had compassion on them for so long, giving them water from the rock and manna. And they just continually complained about their natural circumstances where they didn't have the... They did not set their eyes on um, the higher thing that God is bringing them into this promised place. Um, and again, going back to more scripture that holds us accountable for our words, it says um, in Philippians 2.14, it says, Do everything without grumbling and complaining. And that's talking about in, that's in the context of talking about the attributes of Jesus and how we should be like him. Right, so that's like holding us to a really high standard if we go there. Um, Philippians two. You know, right before that it's talking about Christ's humility and exaltation, like um Jesus at make your own attitude that of Jesus Christ, who existing in the form of God did not consider him equality with God or something to be used for his own advantage. He emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. Um, and it goes on to just talk about how he humbled himself. And, um, you know, there was, he did not spend one second complaining about how he was limited by his earthly body and how he could not, you know, use his... Um, infinite power to save himself off the cross or or whatever he he submitted himself to the process to his natural circumstances and kept his sights on the prize which was redemption for all mankind um and another scripture in matthew fifteen eleven says a man is not defiled by what enters his mouth but by what comes out of it um you know, because they were talking about food and what kind of food to eat, and can I eat seafood? Can I eat shellfish? Can I eat meat? Like, no, it doesn't matter. It does what goes into your mouth does not defile you? It's what comes out. Speaking of words, um, speaking of what's in your heart is what comes out of your mouth. Um, and Matthew twelve thirty six and thirty seven, it says. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. First uh, Peter four nine says, "Be hospitable to one another without complaining." James five nine says, "Do not complain about one another, so that you will not be judged." So over and over and over and over, we see scriptures that are talking about complaining, the words that are coming out of your mouth. And so I'm like being convicted by all these, you know, by the scripture, but just by the, really by the fruit that comes from it is like, you know, thankfully like Wes points it out and I'm like so aware of the, all the complaining I do about, you know, stupid natural circumstances and it just never has any fruit. It's always ends up either, um, you know, Wes either really annoyed with me <laughs> or 
like the more serious side of things like the the more I complain the more my mind is being like is being conformed to what those things are you know the your words have power so um the more you're speaking like negativity and complaining about things the more your mind's like that's what your mind is just meditating on and constantly thinking so it becomes like it's just uh you know, toxic, as people say, complaining is toxic. Um, but just as it's weightier for us as Christians to have a higher standard, there's so much hope. It's funny in my notes, I said, but there's nope. <laughs> um, that is supposed to be an H. Um, but seriously, there's there's hope as Christians because because we have that higher standard of accountability um, we ha- also have an unfair advantage because um, complaining is really an issue about pride of selfishness, um, lack of identity, basically our flesh man. Um, because of that, we have the, the Holy Spirit then co- that comes in and he speak li- and we can speak life by his grace and his power. Um, so we have that unfair advantage of the Holy Spirit, right, compared to the rest of the world where it's like they just complain because it's the, it's what comes natural. Like, it's just such a natural thing that comes out of you. It's not like this isolated thing that some people deal with. It's like every single person on the face of the planet can find something to complain about if they just look at their natural circumstances. But thankfully, as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit, and we are, Romans twelve two transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we renew our minds by remembering what the Lord has done. Um, that's one thing um, I, I like to go back to. I, um, you know, I heard an awesome message. I think Josiah preached one time and just remembering what the Lord has done. And that's one aspect of it is just remembering who he is and who you are. Um, Deuteronomy 6, 8, 11 are all passages that are instructing Israel to remember what the Lord has done so that they would not fall into sin and um, rebelling against the Lord, which is what they ended up doing. So you can see what they did not do by looking at what the the fruit of what they um, did do, which was to not remember what the Lord has he did. He brought them out of Egypt. He fed them manna from heaven he fed he gave them water from a rock he did so many things for them over and over and over and they did not remember those things they were constantly looking at their natural circumstances and complaining about them therefore they um you know fell into uh you know they were destroyed ultimately um so going back to renewing our minds about um what the Lord has done in our lives. Psalm nineteen fourteen says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And first Thessalonians five, sixteen through twenty two talks about our what our attitude should be, one of thanksgiving. Thankfulness is so tied to our identity because um we know who when we know who we are Excuse me. It says, thankfulness is tied to our identity because we know who we are when we know who God is. And when we know who God is, then we know what he has done for us, leading us to a place of thanksgiving and humility. 
Um, so I think that it's just so tied. I love, I was thinking about um, Andrew's message the other night at the training. I was talking about identity a lot. And I'm like, so much of how we act is tied to identity. And I'm like, I wonder how much of uh, complaining that I do is tied to my identity. And I realize like, that's such a, a huge thing. Like when we don't know, if we don't have a correct perception of who God is, then we don't know like what he's done for us because we don't know, we aren't looking at him correctly. So um, when we see him for who he truly is, it leads us into such a place of thanksgiving and humility. Um, you know, he has given us everything through the sacrifice of his son. And we really have zero right to complain about our circumstances. We aren't even residents of this natural world. We were made for eternity, you know. So why do we, why are we complaining about this life when we weren't even made for, we weren't even designed to be in this fallen state of creation, you know what I mean? So um, God was showing me uh, that our level, uh, just this morning actually, was showing me that our level of thankfulness should not be determined by our outward natural circumstances. You know, our, our th- a level of thankfulness should be determined by who God is and what he's done. Our natural circumstances will never sustain us. Like being thankful, you can, you know, you've heard it said like when, uh, you know, when you can look at like third world countries and easily say like, oh, we have it better than them, I should be thankful for what I have. And that's like an awesome place to start for sure. Um, but ultimately, it'll never sustain us. Like, we were never meant to be satisfied by what our circumstances are telling us or by what we have or whatever. And like I said, it's a great place to start. And, if, and you know, it's there is a time to be, you know, I'm thankful for the air we breathe and clean water and showers and all these things. I am super thankful for all that. But to lead to a constant state of thankfulness... Um, you must meditate on God and what he's done for us. And that being like the sacrifice that leads us into eternal life. That is what we are, should be the most thankful for. That we get to be part of this, um, worldwide family that's taken over the earth and, you know, um, we get to live forever and, so much purpose and destiny in our lives, um, you know, and when you think about it in that context, it's like we were made for such a purpose and a design, and we, when we complain about it, we're basically telling God, like, you did something wrong, you're not, you know, in my life, so it's really, that, that like really cut me, I'm like, oh man, like, why am I complaining? God has obviously put me in a place with these circumstances, like if if I really believe he's in control of everything and he's Lord of my life, then he has provided everything I have. He has put me in a, like a specific location to live and my circumstances are in control by God. So if I'm complaining by, about those circumstances, then I'm really complaining about God and what he's doing, which is, that makes it really scary for me. I'm like, oh man, Shoot, I better watch the the words that are coming out of my mouth. But, um, so yeah, so like I was saying, just uh, the 
the meditation of our heart and um, the the attitude of thanksgiving should be coming from a place of meditating on eternal things on God and not on necessarily our circumstances or the good things we have in our life, which are good and they are from God, but like I said, they'll never sustain you. Natural circumstances, good natural circumstances will never sustain a heart of thanksgiving. It's got to be um, Jesus. It's got to be God and being thankful for him and how he's changed us and given us a purpose and eternal life. Um, so, with that said, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. And we see also in uh, Joshua 21.43-45, the goodness of God. So I was talking about earlier how Israel complained and um, he wiped out that generation. Not wiped out, but he didn't allow them to inherit the promised land. But God fulfilled all his good promises despite Israel. So not necessarily to that generation, but everything he said he would do, he did do. In Joshua 21, 43 through 45, it says, I'll just read it because it's awesome. Um, so the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their fathers, and they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side according to all he had sworn to their fathers. None of their enemies were able to stand against them, for the Lord handed over all their enemies to them. None of the good promises the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. Everything was fulfilled. And that is despite Israel's complaining, despite everything that they had um, grumbled to Moses about over and over and over. Um, so there was a consequence for their complaining because there were that generation of people did not enter in, but as a whole, Israel still inherited the promises God said. So you can see the goodness of God through all that, and that should lead us to a place of um, the sandbag must have fallen. <laughs> Um, should lead us to a place of thanksgiving. It's like, holy cow, God still fulfilled all his promises no matter what. Um, and uh, that's good. Um, so I'll leave you with a question and a quote. The question is, are you a fault finder and self-appointed problem fixer, or are you a source of encouragement? That's just speaking to the words that are coming out of your mouth. Are you a fault finder and self-appointed problem fixer? Do you find it your job description and go out and point everything that's wrong with the world? Like, I am so guilty of, like, I am like, I should be traffic police everywhere. I'm just like, oh man, you're not using your blinker. You cut me off. You stopped on the on-ramp and didn't merge into traffic. And Oh my gosh, yeah, you're texting and driving. It's... I'm like, I I set these expectations on other people that like I can't even fulfill myself. And it's just, it's so detrimental. Um, or are you a source of encouragement? So are the words coming out of your mouth encouraging to other people at all times? And that's the expectation we should have is, um, are we encouraging people? Are we encouraging ourselves? Are the words 
that are coming out of our mouth, edifying, even when no one's around, like your your own ears are still listening to your the words that are coming out of your mouth. So are you edifying yourself? Are you edifying other people? Are you a source of encouragement? Um, and the, uh, the this quote I, I really liked um, that I read the other day says, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your words. And that was by Nelson Searley. And um, that just means like the 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 fruit that you're bearing in your life is determined by the the words that you're sowing basically not so much the value of your life because we all know our life has value because of who we are and who God is but the quality of your life the fruit that is coming out of your life is determined by the words that you're speaking so yeah 25 minutes. Hallelujah. Crazy. I'm going to spend 15 more seconds and just pray. Lord, we thank you for today. I thank you so much that you are working in each and every one of us, uh, dealing with the words that we speak, dealing that with our the thoughts that are in our mind. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to uh, convict us when we're um, when we're not speaking life, Lord, that you would just constantly grow us um, and ever be edifying our minds and, and putting the words in our mouths so that we're constantly being in, an encouragement to other people and we're building ourselves up, Lord. We thank you for who you are and for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.